SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Southern writer Brian Stone, joined once again by Georgia State writer Zeke Palermo. Zeke, say what's up to everybody at home. How's it going, guys? Great to be back. Yeah, so uh, last week we did our projected standings for the Sunbelt East teams. Uh, this week, I thought we would just do kind of the same format for all of the West teams. Um, and then I will sort of give my ranking once again and then kick it over to Zeke. We'll see what Zeke thinks about it, and then we'll kind of discuss it, and I'll give my reasoning from there. Uh, so just to start, uh, to get into my my personal last place team in the West this year, I have projected to be Texas State. Zeke? How do you feel about that pick? Uh, I got the same take on that, I think. Um, as we talked about um, uh, two weeks ago now, Spavadol is probably on thin ice. Um, so I think this will be a very impactful first couple weeks for him. Um, I like the addition of Lane Hatcher uh, from Arkansas State, a quarterback to replace Brady McBride. Um, but overall, there's just nothing on that team um, that – makes me sit down and think that Texas State is a um, certifiably better team than they were last year. Um, And, you know, last year I went four and eight, three and five in conference. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, just just four wins uh, total last year. Spavadol with just nine wins total through three years of coaching there. Um, I agree about Lane Hatcher. Uh, he is the one aspect of this team that makes me kind of give pause and say, hey, you know, maybe they're not going to be quite as bad as they have been the last couple of years under Spavadol. Um, but I have doubts about Spavadol as a coach that mm-hmm. I don't think that just an upgrade at quarterback is going to fix. I think I think Hatcher for the last two years has been the best quarterback on the roster at Arkansas State. Um I mean, I thought he was better than Logan Bonner when when Blake Anderson was still there. I thought he was better a better talent uh, and fit for kind of what they wanted to do than James Blackman was last year. But I don't think he the addition of of Hatcher is going to be enough to turn this team around. Another big point of emphasis that I had when I was thinking about this is their defense last year was just absolutely terrible. The last three years, they've allowed more than thirty points per game in each year. Uh, last year they gave up 183, almost 184 yards on the ground per game, and they were eighth in Sunbelt pass efficiency defense. We talked about this with some of the additions uh, to the conference and what they would kind of need to do to take that next step and compete. Again, Texas State has not had a good defense the last the entire time Spavadol has been there. I think just with the addition of Lane Hatcher, I don't see this being enough to kind of propel them to do something better than they have been. What do you think about that? No, I like that take on the defense. Uh, Obviously, 30 points per game is far from sustainable. You you don't have a winning football program uh, putting up those types of numbers. Um, But aside from just yardage, I'd love to see a lot more impact plays from the defense. Uh, Last year, only 18 sacks from that group, and I believe only three interceptions total, which uh, those numbers are just woeful. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. 
even if you're not necessarily improving your first and 10 defense, um, you need more impact plays from that group. And I just, as I said earlier, there's nobody uh, from the incoming groups um, as Spavadol, as many people probably already know, doesn't seem to believe in recruiting high schoolers, um, (laughs) relying really heavily on this, uh, on the transfer portal, but none of the guys he brought in this year um, really screamed to me as uh, transformative to that defense. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be similar. This is this is a, a dark way to, for me to take this. I think in a, in a way, their sort of ceiling is a better version of what Arkansas State put out last year, mm-hmm. which is, okay, I, I think you have to hope that your defense gets enough stops to keep you in games because I, I do like some of the pieces on offense. Marcel Barbie, wide receiver, yep. Javen Banks, wide receiver, like both of those guys. I've liked Barbie for a couple of years. I, th- I felt like they don't have, they've never had the quarterback to get him the ball. I, I think they do have that with Hatcher. They have two running backs in Calvin Hill and Jamel Jeter that I like. I like both of those guys. Like I said, my, my biggest concerns are on defense. I think that they have to hope that their defense just does enough to allow the offense to you know get on the field for two more drives than the other team throughout the game because last year they didn't really do that so i I think that that's sort of something they need to to sort of aim for and then i was just going down their schedule with them being last place in the west i mean they upset a couple teams last year like south alabama that were surprising i don't see a ton of of sunbelt wins ULM maybe they're a coin flip with Texas State. I don't I don't know what ULM is kind of going to do th- this year. We'll get into them in a little bit. Uh, S- Southern Miss we don't really know what they're going to bring to the Sun Belt West and Arkansas State. Like I said, defensively couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. So I, I mean, I guess you got to hope that you can get into enough shootouts with these teams that you just kind of outscore. Yeah, that's the conference schedule. I think. Um... We may see a disparity between the uh, overall record and their conference schedule uh, because those out-of-conference games, Nevada, FIU, Baylor, and then Houston Baptist, three of those four games are pretty winnable. Um, yeah. Not to say Nevada or FIU will be easy, but I think you there is a very, very – you know, we're looking at a coin flip. Um, Texas State comes out of the first four weeks 3-1. and one. So we may see a disparity between their overall record and a conference record. Yeah, I agree. So those are kind of the reasons. I I mean, that is to say if they make some huge unprecedented leap on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they could be much better than I'm projecting them to be. I just, I want to see it. I just, again, I I have doubts about Spavadol and and sort of his long-term outlook as coach there. So they gave Everett Withers plenty of time to try to figure it out, and that didn't work. I, I think that three and a half or four full years is, is long enough to kind of put a better product on the field than he has. So we'll have to see kind of how that all plays out. So second to last in the West, uh, I just mentioned them. I have UL Monroe. What do you think about that? Last year, I was really high on uh, Terry Bowden. I thought he was going to really uh, revitalized that Louisiana Monroe team. And, you know, that's, that he did. They went from 0-10 to 4-8, and 2-6 in conference uh, with pretty solid wins against Troy and Liberty. Uh, I believe they also beat South Alabama. 
Um, and a lot of those losses came to, um, you know, much better opposition, Coastal, App, LSU, Louisiana. Um, I, I'm a little higher on Louisiana Monroe because I really buy into the Bowden rebuild. Um, I think they've got a, a couple options. I think Boogie Knight is uh, a really, really good uh, player within that team. I think Chandler Rogers, uh, when he plays, is really good. Um, he didn't really nail down that starting job uh, with Rhett Rodriguez's uh, lung injury kind of hampering his ability to get on the field. Uh, I liked when Chandler Rogers came out on the field. Um, I just, I, I really believe in Bowden and I think they can do a little better than what you're projecting. I don't disagree. I just think that it's, it's hard to say that with a four win with four wins that they overachieved, but Mm -hmm. when you look at where they came from in 2020, they kind of did. I believe when we were previewing ULM last year, we were having trouble finding two wins on the schedule. Uh, I'll say I did not expect for them to beat Liberty. I didn't expect for them to beat South Alabama. So those were like two really impressive wins um, for me, like you kind of mentioned. And then the thing with Chandler Rogers, like some of that, I wondered how much that you could chalk up to the fact that his dad was the offensive coordinator last year. Um, uh, Red Rod. Yeah. Rich Rod. Um, yeah. So, so I, I was like, I wonder how much of that can be chalked up to the fact that his dad was the offensive coordinator um, versus, you know, truly earning the playing time. Um, Are you speaking about Chandler Rogers? No, I'm talking you're, about you're Red, talking about Red Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed it. My bad. Yeah, Rhett Rodriguez. I wondered how much he actually earned the playing time he got last year versus his dad just being the OC. They have to get better on the offensive line, um, and it and they need to get better fast if they want to, you know, take a next step. Uh, mm-hmm. They allowed 38 sacks last year as a team, which is a ton of sacks. And then on the ground, they only averaged 3.1 yards per carry as a team, so that's brutal. Uh, defensively, the defense, once again, with a lot of these West teams, was their Achilles heel. They aver- they allowed 33.5 points per game, last in Sunbelt pass efficiency defense, eighth on defense against the run. This is kind of like Texas State. I like the pe- some of the pieces they have on offense. Defense gives me some, some real pause. You know what I mean? Yep. As we'll talk about later, I mean, you really need to have a – a defense in the Sun Belt, especially in the West, if you're going to succeed. Um, and there's just nothing there that makes me think that they're going to take a large steep uh, step up from last year's, as you mentioned, one of the worst defenses in the conference, probably the worst air defense in the conference. It, it was a race to the bottom between Arkansas State, ULM, and Georgia Southern last year. It was mm-hmm. it was. It was it was tough when you were watching those those teams play. This year, outside of Nichols, I'm looking at their schedule. They have an incredibly hard out of conference schedule. Uh, they play at Texas, at Alabama, at Army. I, I think those are three losses right there. Uh, they play Coastal Carolina. Uh, they play Georgia State. I think those two teams definitely edge them out. But some of these other teams that I'm kind of projecting to hover around where ULM is in the Western standings, I don't know about. Like, they upset South Alabama last year. They play them again. They they lost by three to Arkansas State. They play them. Texas State, I if I project, if they're truly Texas State the worst in the West, I mean, that could be a win. And Troy, 
Troy and Southern Miss like are two teams we don't know what they're going to look like. They could be a little more surprising than I'm projecting, but I just want to see their defense just absolutely has to step up. They have yeah. to do more than what they did last year. So uh, until I see that kind of improvement on the field, I'm going to kind of put them second to last uh, until I see some improvement on defense. Yeah. Getting into our next team here, fifth in the Sun Belt West, I have Arkansas State. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it's just, do you believe in this throw the ball until our hands are bloody mentality, which I personally don't. I don't think uh, this Butch Jones project is going to work very long. Um, As we just mentioned, you need defense. Arkansas State was allowing 38 points per game, 500 yards per game they were allowing. Uh, That's just absolutely mm, catastrophically bad. Um, So no matter how much... Um, offense you can string together with Blackman, Tavalence Hunt, and Jeff Foreman out wide. I just I don't believe in that style of offense, and mm-hmm. so I don't think it can win games. Yeah, I mean, this team is the classic uh, track meet Sunbelt West school, like you mm-hmm. said. They're going to throw the ball a ton. I mentioned it last week. You know, they, they would play teams that had absolutely terrible run defenses and just wouldn't even attempt to run the football. It was just throw, 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 throw with James Blackman um, or Lane Hatcher, depending on who was playing. Um, I personally have never been a big Butch Jones believer. I think that his most successful head coaching job, he kind of cribbed off of what Brian Kelly built at Cincinnati. Um, I mean... He was very poor in his first year at Cincinnati, and then he kind of built them back up. But it wasn't like there was no foundation. You know what I mean? And then he went to Tennessee, obviously flamed out bad there, uh, and then was sort of a offensive analyst slash assistant at Alabama for a couple of years, um, pretty much just collecting a, a paycheck. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I have, once again, serious doubts about um i don't think the offense is sustainable either i think the fact that you throw the ball as much as you do and only average 25 points a game is a red flag it's not as if you're one of these teams that like a like a like a georgia southern or a or a app or even a coastal where you sometimes you just want to play keep away on offense Mm -hmm. and run the ball and, and play defense they can't do that um and and once again like a recurring theme with, with what we talked about with ULM, Arkansas State's offensive line was even worse than what ULMs were last year. They Arkansas State allowed 48 sacks, yep. so which is insane. And then, like you said, 38 points a game given up on, on defense. Uh, they were last against the run, which you can't do against a lot of teams uh, in this conference now, naming, namely like at, like I mentioned, Marshall, teams like that that can really, really run the ball. Um, I don't know the the one defensive piece that, that I see Kevon Bennett had eight sacks last year. Mm-hmm. Jones once again, um, was another guy like, uh, uh, Spavadol who was, who was looking to replenish talent through the, the portal. We'll see how that works out. Yep. Um, I just, they've got a lot of work to do, man. I, I mean, there's not really, I I've pretty much, 
think that the bottom three teams are completely interchangeable in my mind. Sure. Um, I, I'm not super locked into anybody as being the absolute worst because Arkansas State could be bad. ULM could surprise. Texas State could be better than I think. You know, yeah. it, it, you could play the, the three cup game with the ball as far as like figuring out who's going to be the worst. Um, uh, once again, Arkansas State looking at their schedule this year. Uh, Grambling looks like a free uh, win against an HBCU. Uh, Ohio State and Memphis, that's not happening. Uh, and then UMass has year in, year out been one of the worst yep. FBS teams. So I think they win that game too. So they split. They're out of conference slate. I think they go two and two in those games. Uh, within the conference, they play Louisiana. They play Troy. They play South Alabama. They play James Madison, ULM. I think there's a couple winnable games on this schedule. Um, but I, I think that the ceiling for them is kind of like four or five wins this year. Yeah, I think they lucked out when it comes to their non-divisional <laughs> conference games. Uh, Old Dominion yeah. and James Madison are – that's probably the best combination you can really hope for. Not that those are the two worst teams, but it's not going to get much easier than that. Yeah. Um, so uh, not to use this um, analogy again or this – phrase again but i mean there's a world in which they win those two games um and then you steal one maybe two in division games you could see this team walk away with three or four conference wins i think it's less a testament to what they could be this year and more a testament to like you said the draw they had with the east teams and just how interchangeable or or just the lack of depth on the west side mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them steal a couple games. They may come out of this season with a better record than what people might think, but it probably won't be indicative of them being a good football team. It'll probably be just them having having more of a favorable schedule. Um, and, <laughs> Zeke, I wanted to point this out. You said they, they had about as good of draw for the East teams as you could ask for. For anybody that's asking, why don't you include – you know, Georgia Southern or whatever as being one of the it's because they literally played last year when Georgia Southern was a train wreck and Georgia Southern blew them out. So oh, did they really? Be, yeah. Uh, oh. Georgia Southern, I think until Cad Lunsford was fired, only had three interceptions as a team. And I think mm-hmm. that was through five games and all three came against James Blackman. Wow. Um, so they they mopped the floor with Arkansas State last year. So if you think Georgia Southern's even moderately improved, I think they would do the exact same thing again, to be to be quite honest. Um, all right. So moving up the West standings, uh, Southern Miss is the team I have at four. Uh, I didn't really know where to slate them in. Um, I guess that means that I'm projecting Troy to be fairly competent this year but it's more of like what i said last week with marshall like i just kept moving them up like troy for example i just kept moving them up the standings and was like well it makes sense that they'd be better than these three teams and then southern miss is kind of a coin flip so who knows yeah Uh, uh, unimpressed by what i saw last year from southern miss uh they went three and nine two and six last year uh they were in conference usa at that point um, and as we talked about last week, Conference USA 
probably a step below the Sun Belt in terms of just overall talent uh, on a team by team basis. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know how well that three and nine will translate. Will that be a, uh, an equivalent slate? Um, and keep in mind, uh, folks may may not remember Southern missed two of those wins came in the final two weeks when they didn't have a quarterback. They were playing wildcat football for two weeks with uh, Frank Gore Jr., who, uh, you know, name aside, is a very good runner um, and has the potential to be one of the better backs in the Sun Belt. But they two-thirds of that team's wins came playing a gimmick, you know? Yeah. So uh, I like what you say in terms of you don't really know. I personally believe they're in that same tier as ULM, Arkansas State, and – Texas State, I think you can clump those four together, mm-hmm. um, whereas you seem to view them just kind of right above that cusp. But I, I've got Southern Miss with it, uh, that group of four. No, no, you're you're right. I, I agree about clumping them together. Um, I don't see one reason or another why any of those four teams should be given a different level of, I don't want to say respect, I guess reverence compared to one another. Um mm-hmm. None of them in their current builds have really accomplished a lot that you look at and go, wow, you know, you kind of have to pay a little bit of attention to that. It's just kind of been like, eh, like I feel eh about Butch Jones. I feel eh about Jake Spavadol. Sure. Um, I like Terry Bowden, but I think that that's another situation that's going to require a couple of years before they're ready to do anything. And Southern Miss, like you said, not really impressed by a lot of their games last year. I mean, they were getting, I, I understand before anybody tweets at me, I'm looking at their stats. They had 11 different players uh, attempt to pass and they had four different players start under center. Um, I, I get it. The, the quarterback position was absolutely terrible. I get it. However, like you said, you know, two of their wins come playing kind of a gimmicky offense with Frank Gore I don't see – I could see – I don't think they want to do that. I'm going to mm-hmm. put that out. That's not but, the long-term solution, no. Correct. I don't see if they had to do that, it working for more than a week, unless they were playing one of the other three teams I just mentioned at the bottom of the conference. I don't think that Louisiana Tech and FIU are going to be back-to-back fooled by the Wildcat. I think I think a lot of teams have figured that out by now. Mm-hmm. Um Gore comes back as the running back. I I like him as a player. Um, They have uh, receiver Jason Brownlee, who produced, even though the passing game was absolutely terrible uh, with all the injuries. Ty Keyes is a quarterback that that the offense can kind of maybe do something with. Maybe they improve that that pass game and they you know Mm -hmm. avoid injury this year. This is to preface this next comment. I understand they had problems with the quarterback position last year. They also had 31 turnovers last year on offense. Yep. Um, that cannot happen again. Um, if, if they want to kind of take that next step. I just think if, if they avoid injury and they don't turn the ball over quite as much and they just kind of run the ball and play a little safe with Frank Gore Jr., I think they could be a little better than they were. I think they could be better than they were last year, which I know is not saying a whole lot, but it is what it is. Um, no, yeah, the the bar is be better than last year, and I think they're fully capable of doing it, especially uh, they added some uh, solid defensive pieces through the portal. 
they added one guy from Juco, I believe. They uh, brought in a guy from Arkansas, one from Mississippi State. So they brought in a, a breadth, especially defensively, of players that will make the team on paper better. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, like, will that offense find some sort of identity? Will they find a long-term quarterback? Will they find a way to play football in, a, in an efficient manner? Defensively, they allowed almost 28 points per game last year, which, while not great, is – I mean, everyone's heard the stats that we just reeled off for the other four teams or the other three teams. So it's it's better than that. I'll throw mm-hmm. that out there. Yep. I think I think uh, if they can kind of figure out what they're doing on the defensive line, they could be better on defense. And like I said, if they just quit putting their defense in short yardage situations with turnovers, I think they'll their defense will see will benefit from it. So they're my four. Um, I know I mentioned them, but I guess I guess I kind of gave it away. Um, three, I have Troy. Do you disagree with that? And I'll kind of get into my reasoning for for doing so. Uh, no, I mean Troy's the third best team in this conference. Um, I think you could make an argument for South Alabama here, but mm-hmm. um, that defense is just uh, unlike the teams we were just mentioning. That defense is really, really strong. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I'm sorry, it's just like there's nobody on that defense that you don't like. Carlton Marshall has been the best linebacker in the conference for the past two, maybe three years. Um, He's somebody – I don't know if you feel this way. When I was looking over the West, there the West leads the Sun Belt in looking at players and going, Are the, is that guy still there? Like yeah. when I saw Carlton Marshall was still there, I was like, really? And then when I saw like Jamel Jeter was still at Texas State and Marcel Barbie, I was like, I feel like those guys have been there a long time. Yeah, that's probably that extra year of COVID eligibility coming into play. Good call, yeah. Um, um, funny you mentioned that because on the other side of the ball, they've got a really good uh, infrastructure of skill position players that are fairly young. Mm-hmm. Gunnar Watson, quarterback, he's going to be a junior. Uh, their top two uh, running backs, Kamani Vidal and Jamontez Woods, both juniors. Tez Johnson, uh, Jabari Barber wide receivers both sophomores so whereas that defense has that kind of proven carlton marshall javon solomon right these guys that have been around you've got this infrastructure last year that played pretty well showed flashes in games that show that if not this year next year that offense is going to be really good so going over them a little bit uh they bring in they fired chip Lindsay last year who was middling at best, as a head coach at Troy, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, hasn't really lived up to what Neil Brown had kind of set for a foundation for them. Um, because under Neil Brown, they were year in, year out contenders to compete for the Sun Belt. And that they were not that under Chip Lindsey. Um, I think Summerall is an interesting hire. And the only reason I say that is because, like you said, I think they have some good pieces on the offensive side of the ball. But they hired a guy whose prowess is on defense. Summerall comes over and was the co-defensive coordinator at Kentucky last year. They hire a guy who's good on defense, but that wasn't their issue. Mm-hmm. You know, they they already had a good defense. They just literally couldn't couldn't move the ball. I mean, they yeah. they only averaged twenty two point eight points per game last year. Um, they do have some, um continuity on offense uh gunner watson 
Uh, they have a couple other quarterbacks that are in the mix as well, but Watson was the starter last year. Um, I'm interested to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball because I think they have potential, and Lindsey, for whatever reason, just wasn't it uh, mm-hmm. last year. Um, and like I said, I think if you just you take Carl Marshall and you know guys like that, um, Javon Solomon, guys like that, and you just kind of build on what you did last year, and if the offense takes even a moderate step forward, I, I think you could be in for a pretty good season, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Summerall being a head coach for the first time. I think um, three in the con or in the division is probably their floor because I they probably won't top number one, but I I there's it's very likely that I could see them uh slipping into that number two spot depending on how as I'm sure we'll we're about to get into some of those tougher games play out on their schedule. Yeah, so that that's actually a a, a pretty good intro. Um, I'm looking at their schedule now. They play Ole Miss in the opener. I don't see that happening. Um, they play Alabama A&M. I think that's a win for them out of conference elsewhere. Western Kentucky in Bowling Green. I've been hearing good things about Western Kentucky's transfer quarterback that they have in. If anybody wants a funny uh, little tidbit, uh, go go look at what Western Kentucky's new starting quarterback said about how his style of play. He basically says a, a more explicit version of I run around with my hair on fire as far as throwing the football, like he just doesn't care. He goes out and slings it. So I don't know how that's going to play out, uh, especially with Western Kentucky having a new offensive coordinator uh, and then, and replacing their quarterback from last year. And then they play army, which I don't know if the Sun Belt has some sort of exclusive deal with army, but I feel like every team in the conference plays army this year. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but Again, I, I think if their defense is better than we think, I mean, they could give Marshall a run. I don't think they'll beat App in App, but I think they give Marshall a run. I think they could beat Southern Miss. I think they could beat Texas State. I think they could surprise uh, surprise relatively. I think they could surprise South Alabama. I think they could give Louisiana maybe a scare. ULM, I think they win. Arkansas State, I think they win. So I think that they project as being a pretty good team. Um, I think they could take South Alabama's spot at two, which again, we'll go ahead and transition to the next team. South Alabama is my second ranked team in the West. What do you think? Oh, sorry. Um, I mean, as we've kind of talked about for a couple of these teams, South Alabama is going into this season very much without an offensive identity. Jalen Tolbert, I mean, Far and away, we're talking head, shoulders, and torso above every other receiver in the conference. Uh, 82 catches. Uh, The next best guy had 67. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had just a smidge under 1,500 receiving yards. There's no one that can really come into that offensive role um, that Tolbert Phil of being the force feed this receiver, he'll get you the yards. Mm -hmm. Um, I think defensively, kind of like we just talked about Troy, I I, I like the defense that South Alabama brings. Um, they had, I believe, 15 picks uh, between their uh, secondary. Charles Coleman had five, uh, five and a half sacks from the interior. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like that defense is going to be good enough to win them games. Will Jalen Wayne, is my understanding, is going to kind of be the next guy up in that offense uh, to take Tolbert's role. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but will he be able to replicate six yards per catch, right? Yeah. And, or I'm sorry, um, 17 yards, rather. Yeah, so Jalen Tolbert uh, gets drafted in the third round by the Cowboys. He actually is projected to be the Cowboys' number two receiver this year, um, at least early. Um, so he's obviously was an incredibly talented player. Uh, however, I like Jalen Wayne a lot. Um, mm. I think with that increased volume that is left over by Tolbert leaving, I think you could see sort of a breakout from him. The one thing that gives me, and like you said, I like the defense. I think Kane Womack did a, a, a relatively good job in his first season out to, at South Alabama. I initially thought that they were going to end up being better than they were. They were sort of inconsistent down the stretch. You know, they they played a, a, a close game with Louisiana where they lose by two points. And then they turn around the next week and lose by two to Texas State. And then two weeks later, they lose by 10 to ULM. So it's just like consistency. South Alabama, South Alabama and Georgia State, as far as a consistency perspective, are like the Spider-Man pointing meme. At one another, uh, because neither one could kind of lock down what they were last year. Mm -hmm. Now, the big concern I have is not obviously on defense, because I do think they have a good defense. I think it's it's who's going to start at quarterback for them. Desmond Trotter two years ago played and was good in 2020 in the times that he actually played. And then last year, Jake Bentley, a guy who had felt like he had been in college for 13 years and played for nine schools comes in and takes the job for the most part. And now they're back looking at Trotter and Carter Bradley and being like, which one of these guys is going to play quarterback for us? That is one big concern and one thing that I think could hold them back. I think Troy has a better handle on the quarterback position than Mm -hmm. South Alabama does. So I think that could be the one thing that propels Troy ahead of them. However, defensively, they were solid. Just allowed twenty six point four points per game. They were third in Sunbelt pass efficiency defense. Uh, their cornerback Darrell Luther Jr. Great cornerback on the outside. You know, I I think they're a little bit like Troy, but the the quarterback position is the one thing that would give me pause. I just don't know what to expect from their quarterback. Yeah. However, that plays out. Um... I think will be indicative or rather how quickly that unfolds will be a key predictor to the season. You know, if they can get that sorted out in the first two weeks, South Alabama could be cruising, but if we reach week five, week six, and they're still juggling two quarterbacks, uh, that could kind of spell disaster for them. Um, And, you know, as we talked about, Jalen Wayne will probably be the focal point of that offense, much like Tolbert was. Um, Mm -hmm. But then like Arkansas state, this team doesn't really have much of a running game, which concerns me. Uh, it's not quite to the extent that Arkansas State uh, doesn't have, you know, anybody to run the ball. Um, but uh, as a team, nobody averaged uh, last year. Nobody on the team averaged more than three point eight yards per carry, which mm-hmm. um, you know, two and a half yards will get you a first down. Um, yeah. But three point eight just isn't really sustainable to be a full time lead back. Sure. Um, yeah, they they definitely need to get at least. They at least need to get good enough to where they can keep teams honest running the football. Because mm-hmm. if you're averaging, would you say two point eight yards per carry? Three point. I mean, three point eight. I mean, that isn't going to scare 
any opposing defense into thinking, oh man, we really need to like watch for the run on this next play. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as I understand last year, Jake Bentley transferred in. So I guess Kane Womack felt like he had his guy, but let me put this in perspective for you. Last year in April, in April of 2021, you know, six months or whatever, five months before the season started, Jake Bentley was named their starting quarterback. And I, I see this post from eight hours ago on Alabama.com. South Alabama still hasn't named a starting quarterback. I mean, the season starts in two weeks. Yep. So maybe maybe you want to figure that out. Or maybe they already know internally and they just aren't telling anybody. Um, but I'm going down their schedule now. Uh, they start against Nichols. I think that's going to be a win. Uh, Central Michigan... I don't know what to expect from them. So I'll, I'll put that at a coin flip. Uh, they play UCLA in LA. Uh, I don't think they're going to win that game. Uh, Louisiana tech. I think they could win that game. And then I'm looking at some of these other teams. I mean, Louisiana, Louisiana, they have a really favorable schedule. Like Louisiana and UCLA are the only two team two two games that I see on this schedule as I project it today that I just don't think they're going to win like flat out. I mean, yeah, as we've, I don't know. I may be harping on this a bit more than it needs to be, but I think the out of division conference games are crucial uh, in these two division conferences. Sunbelt, the sec has a similar issue where you're playing the same group of six, but then you have this rotating set of two or three games and that can really determine how good your conference record is. Um, yeah. We talked about, um, I believe it was Arkansas State has a relatively easy uh, out of Draw. division in conference. Yeah, uh, South Alabama's is probably easier with Southern and Old Dominion. As we talked about last week, Southern is not going to be good. Old Dominion, I believe you and I were a little split on, but still, you know, up in the air how good they are. Um, so you it's, mentioned it's UCLA. not as if you drew App and Coastal. Yeah, the, yeah, this is, again, a very favorable matchup. So those are two wins that you could be stealing uh, within yeah. the division. I mean, you kind of touched on it. Listen to this stretch to end the season. Are you ready? Yep. They play Arkansas State. Win. Then they play Georgia Southern. Win. Then they play Texas State. I'll give that to South Alabama. Uh, then they play Southern Miss. Another South uh, South Alabama, and then they end the season with the Old Dominion. I mean, they could finish the season one, two, three, four, five straight wins. I mean, it's in the cards. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but no, yeah. I mean, realistically, they go four and one over that stretch, but five and zero oh is not blasphemous to expect. No, and then like I said, you play Nichols, you play ULM. Let's say you you beat Central Michigan. I mean, that's eight wins right there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it goes. Like I said, and you said, run game needs to get better. They need to figure out their quarterback position, but I like kind of the direction that Kane Womack has them headed. Um, So I hate to say this. (laughs) I know, so I'm sure someone out there is going to be mad, um, but I have Louisiana as my number one team in the West, despite all of the changes from last year to this year. Yeah, I... I agree with the changes. I think losing Napier is weird. Uh, you're losing Levi Lewis. You're losing losing both of your coordinators. 
Um, a lot of the offensive line, um, there's there's a bit more continuity on the defense, but I believe most of their linebackers are gone as well as one of their best defensive backs. So mm-hmm. as patchwork as the team may be as of today, there's just nobody in the division that has what Louisiana has, and that is a winning repertoire over the past couple of years. And you just can't look look away from that and just say, oh, well, it's going to be different this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the fact that the West is weaker as a whole really plays into their hands, especially if you think that this year is going to be a quote-unquote rebuilding season as they sort of figure out what to do post-Napier. Um, new head coach, the, their offensive coordinator, promoted from last year, Michael DeSormo, already coached the New Orleans Bowl win over Marshall. So he's got some experience there. Um, they need to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. Like you said, Levi Lewis, I agree with that. However, they returned Chris Smith at running back. He ran for 844 yards last year. I really liked him. And I think that, I think it'd be hard to be as run heavy as they were last year, but I think they may need it, especially if they're breaking in a new quarterback. Um, as of today, I think Chandler Fields is, is primed to kind of be their replacement for Lewis. Uh, and then they return a couple of receivers in Peter LeBlanc and Michael Jefferson. So I know they lost a lot of talent. I get it. But I'm not I'm also not projecting them to be 13 and one again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they take a little bit of a step back, which is why I'm saying like eight or nine wins looking at their schedule. Um, they got an, a fairly easy draw too, especially in the conference. Um, the only game that off the top of my head that I'm like, they're probably not going to win. And I say, probably this could change. This is subject to change is Florida state second to last game of the season. Now, again, I think I said this in the, in the media days episode, if Florida state is an absolute train wreck again this year and they fire their head coach and they're just, you know, trying to get the season over with as fast as possible. I mean, Louisiana could hypothetically catch them. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But when you go down their schedule, I mean, I think they start the season with three straight wins personally, Southeastern Louisiana. I think they win that game. Eastern Michigan at home. I think they win Rice. I think they win ULM is their opener. I think they win that game. I think the only Sunbelt teams that might give them a little bit of a scare is maybe Marshall. In, in West Virginia, um, I think Troy, depending on how good Troy ends up being, and I'm going to – maybe South Alabama. The, I think those are the three games they might need to look out for. But every mm-hmm. other game besides Florida State on this schedule is winnable, personally. No, I, I agree with you almost full-heartedly there. Um, I – if you're at, you mentioned eight or nine wins, I I think I have my sights a little higher. Um, you know, based just looking at the schedule, they should go ten and two, eleven and one. But mm-hmm. things happen throughout the season; injuries happen, teams are better or worse than we anticipate. So I think eight or nine is a realistic expe- expectation. But looking at the schedule as it is today, which team is better on a week by week basis? Louisiana has the potential to go. 11 and 1, 12 and 0 if we're really pushing it. Yeah. 
and and I like I said, I think a lot of that comes down to what their quarterback position ends up looking like post yep. Levi Lewis. Um, you know, Lewis would make some plays that would really surprise you, but then he would also do a, a fairly good job of just keeping control of the ball, and not getting crazy with the turnovers. So I liked that about him. Let's see if their their new quarterback, if that ends up being Chandler Fields, let's see if he can do that too. Um, but that's the way I have the West slated. Um, that's pretty much going to do it for this this episode. Zeke, do you have sort of any last minute thoughts? Do you want to get to as far as the West goes, and where can people find you on social media? Uh, regarding the West, I think as we were preparing for this episode, something that stuck out to me is I constantly found myself writing or thinking about each of these teams. What is their offensive identity? Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas in the East, there are a lot of teams that you think, you know, they could be good, could be bad. I really don't know how I feel. There was this trend in the West that I thought, what is their offensive identity, right? What is Louisiana sure. post Levi Lewis? What is um, South Alabama post uh, Jalen Tolbert? That was something that kept coming up. And uh, so that was just like a, theme that I'm curious we're going to watch how does the offense um from a schematic standpoint compare to the east uh on a team by team and division by division basis um but um uh, before I go off and sign off I'd love to hear your thoughts on that real quick yeah I agree I I mean obviously the west is super pass heavy compared to the east mm-hmm. um I think the one thing that the that a lot of the East teams have going for them is that they all offensively relatively have balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I think, especially when you couple in, like if Georgia Southern is really moving to sort of this West Coast style type of offense, I think that really shifts the overall method methodology i guess of all the east teams and and makes everyone sort of i don't want to say 50 50 but probably closer to that split than what you would see at a lot of these west teams so i'm interested to see that as well i'm also interested to see if any of these west teams adopt a running game now whether whether they couldn't do it last year with like south alabama or whether they just flat wouldn't even try like arkansas state we'll have to see how that all plays out yep um, so but, Z, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. That's where you can hear about the podcast, uh, about I uh, cover Georgia State for Underdog Dynasty. That's where I put uh, all of our stories go up there. Uh, and, you know, God willing, I'll be back here next week uh, to, you know, prepare kind of one last off week before week zero. Yeah, Absolutely. So we will be back, uh, like Zeke said, next week to talk more Sunbelt preview, Sunbelt football. Um, I have sort of a surprise lined up that right now even Zeke doesn't know about as far as the topic goes. So we'll convene and sort of get to that. Um, Once again, my name is Brian Stone. You can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. We will be back next week for another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.